you have to make sure that you charge enough that you can have money to reinvest back into the business. And, you know, marketing has to be at the top of the list. Today, we're talking all about how to market your brand traditionally and, wait for it, digitally. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, helping home professionals, industry influencers, and creatives accelerate their business through an improved social media presence by translating digital influence into physical success. Whether your focus is interior design, travel and tourism, or hospitality, this is your social media tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I am your host, the Lone Ranger, also known as Darla Powell, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut here at Wingnut Social, a social media agency for luxury brands. And today I am not joined by the soulless ginger, Natalie Ann Giraffe. Natalie is out helping her family with the Nalsberry Farm down here in the Redlands in the homestead, and she is a little overwhelmed with customer demand for her jelly. So it's a solo show for me today. But before we get into our interview with today's guest, Stephen Glaze of Smart Exteriors LLC, let's have a little social media news sesh, shall we? Today, I'm going to talk about something that's near and dear to all of you interior designers and luxury brand aesthetes, which is Snapchat. Aren't we all on there? Oh, my gosh. My producer, Olivia Massimillo, gave me this. and I'm like, Snapchat? Is Snapchat still relevant? Well, clearly it is. Remember when... Instagram started stories and everybody was like, whoop, that's it for Snapchats. We're not going to have it anymore. They're going to run them out of business. Well, surprise, surprise, Snapchat is coming back in a big way. It actually has had a nice rebound. I don't know if some of that is because of the TikTok drama, which is also still growing, by the way, guys. But people are advertising on Snapchat has a very robust platform now for creatives. So (laughs) If you're like me and you're not really comfortable navigating Snapchat, I admit it's the redheaded stepchild for me of all social media platforms. I've never really had a presence on there. Now Snapchat has put out something called Snap Connect, which is an extension of something called Snap Focus. And what this is really doing is walking you through on how to do an efficient and effective advertising or creative campaign on Snapchat, if that's something that you do indeed want to look into and see what it can do for you and your brand. So where this would be helpful for are those bigger brands with a younger, admittedly, demographic. In fact, we have had some brands come to Wingnut Social to have us do a strategy on their Snapchat presence and to see how they can hit their ROI. But granted, they're not exactly your solopreneur interior designers. They're huge shopping centers and things like that that want to do partnering with influencers, influencer marketing, etc. But if you want to learn more about maybe getting a presence on Snapchat and how it can help you with your creative business, just check out the link in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast for this episode with Stephen Glaze, and that will all be in there in all of its glory you can read all about it. It's it's like a course with four to five learning videos and even an exam. You can get certified if you want to. I'm already certifiable. That's another story. (laughs) But there you go. Snapchat, I guess, is still relevant and is on the way back. All right. So let's get into our interview with Stephen Glaze. But before I do that, who is Stephen Glaze? Let me tell you a little about him. Stephen is an expert in the exterior home remodeling industry. 
He started in the business working as an assistant at his father's roofing company at the age of 16 and was estimating projects and managing crews by the time he was 18 years old. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty advanced. Today, Stephen serves as Vice President of Sales for Smart Exteriors, LLC, an award-winning home improvement company serving the greater Kansas City metro area. He recently wrote a homeowner's guide for sighting that is now available on Amazon. Oh, I love Amazon. I love Audible on Amazon. I wonder if it's on Audible. I'll have to ask him. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Stephen Glaze to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Stephen Glaze. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? You know, I always answer that question the same. I always answer it with, I'm doing not quite as good as some, but better than most. That sounds like something my dad would have said or my grandfather. (laughs) I love that. That's a great answer. So I was telling the Wingnuts listening that we are going to get into marketing traditionally and digitally, right? So successful marketing is a synergy of all of that. But before we get in and talk about your experiences and your expertise that we can relate to the audience, Tell us just a little bit about your marketing uh, expertise experience with your business, Smart Exteriors, LLC. I mean, this goes back even before Smart Exteriors. My dad owned a roofing business and, you know, growing up in that business and getting into marketing that, I mean, it used to be simple. It used to be you you spent a lot of money on a full page ad and and the the big phone book and you got plenty of calls all year round. And it was just, it was just easy. All it took was money. You know, if you you had the money, it was no big deal. That obviously uh, doesn't work anymore. But um, some of the traditional things that do work, I found is I've, I've had some success recently with direct mail. Um, that is something that is a traditional source. And you, you would think that it wouldn't because people get so much junk mail and they throw so much of it away. But I found that if you are able to really know who your customer is and target them specifically, um, like, for example, we sell gutter guards, gutter protection. And that's a, that's a very targeted customer. It's It's someone who's, you know over the age of 50, they own an older home with trees and you, know, you can really drill down and, and find that person and we can target and mail directly to them. And we've had some pretty, pretty good success there. But by far, the, the majority of our marketing dollars get spent on online, you just uh, SEO, digital. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just where it's at. I love, though, that you're still incorporating the direct marketing. And I have to say that, you know, that was dying down a few years ago, but I think that that's making a, a little bit of a resurgence for the demographic that you mentioned there. So if you're going to do a direct marketing, if you're an interior designer or a home pro and you want to market people with a certain dollar amount value in a house, or maybe you have a new homeowner, this how do you even start to get those demographics for marketing like that? That's the key. I mean, you really have to know who your customer is. And so like, if you are, gosh, interior designer, you know, you, you might look at people that just purchased a home, new homeowners, and you might find new homeowners, you know, in a certain size house or certain value of a home. Um, and then you might find new homeowners, certain value of a home and certain age. And, and if you just really, you know, look back at your customers, you know, that you currently have, and if you can find things that they have in common, and you can really start to build that demographic for who your customer is, then you can purchase those names and be successful that way. How do you start to purchase those names? There are companies that that sell lists. I'm trying to think off the top of my head uh, who who we use, but if you look for mailing, just Google mailing lists, there are companies that that have this information and you select you geographically. There's all sorts of things that you can, you know, determine, uh, you know, basically select them, you know, like as far as weed them out and come up with these demographics and they'll, they'll drill it down and tell you exactly how many names they can get in that area that meet the, that criteria and you know, you do it that way. And Facebook's getting to be that way too. You know, that's the great thing about Facebook is there's a lot of information there that you can really drill down to. I mean, they have 
a lot of that same information also, but they also have their like likes and things that they're interested in and, and that as well. But for direct mail, yeah, you can find these list providers. That, that's what they do. And you can really dial it in with the income, yes. new homeowner, yes. demographic. Wow, that's that's amazing. I, I like that's coming back. And you did mention that most of your budget is for digital marketing. And I do want to get into that, but because we're talking about a mix. So let's let's get into Facebook a little bit. Have you been into the community groups there? Are you are you doing outreach there or are you just doing paid advertising on Facebook? I am just doing paid paid advertising and then, you know, boosting posts on on my Facebook page. Those are the, the two primary ways. That works really well. I mean, Facebook is still hard to beat for advertising even though some people are boycotting it and leaving. Right. <laughs> still, it's it's still you can't beat it, right? At Darla Pal Interiors, which is my interior design firm, we have a lot of success dialing in our marketing with retargeting ads from the website to Facebook. I don't know if you guys yes, use that. Yeah, the we do that face- as well. yeah it, it's very impactful. And you can, like you said, on Facebook, you can dial in to somebody in the right age, the right income bracket, and all of that. So I, how what would you say right now with your direct mail marketing campaign, what leads you're getting from that as compared to your digital marketing? Is there a, Do you have those numbers yet? As far as the, the number of leads? Yeah, compared to your digital marketing so far. Okay. So with the direct mail, it's, it's a seasonal thing that we do. We do it. It's actually just like right now, like in the fall, because that's when the leaves fall from the trees and, and start to clog the gutters and things. And because of the, the time of year and the target, it actually by far outperforms all my other marketing, but it's, it's just, it wouldn't, if I did it on a yearly basis, if I did it year round, like every month, it wouldn't come close. But for this particular, you know, September through November, it's very, very successful for us. And I would say like we get um, as many as 17 you know, I think our best day was like maybe 20 calls in a day. And so it's kind of average. And right now out of those, it would probably be, you know, 15 of them would be the direct mail gutter protection leads. So it's quite a bit better. But usually like if you go back to like the spring and the summer, I would say on average, we get 10 to 15 calls and eight to 12 of them are digital. Yeah. For, you know, that's been the strong point for Darla Powell Interiors too, but I have been thinking about rounding it out. And doing some direct mail. I know Lauren Sullivan, who was a guest on the podcast not too long ago, has had some really good success with a billboard. Talk about a, an analog way to market your <laughs> your business there, not digital. So, okay, so let's get into some of the community outreach. I have here that you are a big proponent of doing community outreach as well, and then we'll get into the the digital. Tell us about what that looks like for you and your business. So some of the things that we've done is we like to target a neighborhood and where we've maybe done some work or in like our big thing is siding. So we go to a neighborhood and we've, we've done a siding project in that neighborhood and we realize that, you know, pretty much everybody in this neighborhood needs that done as well. Or, you know, maybe there's been a recent hailstorm and we've done a roof in that neighborhood and everybody's going to need a roof. We will have like a community outreach, basically bring in a, a food truck, um, some bounce houses for the kids. We'll promote it through the, you, most of these neighborhoods have their own Facebook page. And so we'll talk to the, whoever's directing that and we'll put together like basically that we're providing all of this as just a, a meet and greet to get to know the neighborhood and share a little bit about what we do while we'll the booth set up. And, you know, that seems to be really, really good where we get a lot of people that from the neighborhood that come, they get to know us, they, you know, have fun, give them something to eat. Kids jump around the bounce house and um, most of the time they want us to come look at their house. Do you ever jump around in the bounce house too? Because I would, I would totally would. Uh, you know what I, I, I do before everybody gets there. Yes, but no. 
<laughs> I would do it with the kids. It would be, who is this 52-year-old woman jumping around with all these like six-year-olds? I was thinking about that. When you were first going into this, I was like, okay, he's going to talk about doing yard signs and, you know, maybe going door to door or something. But this is this is taking it up to a whole new level. I am super impressed with this. So if you're an interior designer and you have a project in the neighborhood, you know, I was thinking, okay, we're going to do housewarming parties and, and do that kind of thing. But this is super cool to reach out to. Let's say if you're in Miami, Florida, there's a there's a neighborhood here called uh, Pinecrest, which I do a lot of work in just to reach out to that Facebook group there and just sponsor like a little bounce house or something for the parents, have some hot dogs and hamburgers. In our neighborhood, there's a there's a lady that every year they've been this year with COVID. It's it's, it's kind of crazy, but it's a um, it's like a social deal. What they do is they get five houses in the neighborhood to host this event. And what they do is you go from house to house and you have, you know, drink some wine, have some hors d'oeuvres and basically, you know, just, yeah, everybody, it's, it's the hottest ticket in town. Like it's crazy because they only let like 500, sell 500 tickets and it goes on sale. Like, like you, it's not there. It's free, but you sign up at like, say noon on Thursday and by 1230 they're, they're sold out. Like you just can't get them. But what it is, is they, they actually have designers that come in and they will help you stage your house for this event. It's, the whole idea is to raise money for uh, some lady whose daughter died of a, a disease and, and support and support of that. And so it's going to, it's a fundraiser, but it's also an opportunity for the designers because they get to come in and stage these five houses, you know, five different designers. And so as they go along, that's, they're seeing this, they're drinking, they're, Oh my God, who did that? And, and getting ideas and, and you have your card out. And so there's opportunities for, for that as well. Um, that would be a good good idea for a designer. What do you think about, if we're mentioning the the yard signs, you know, where it's like, oh, this project is under-designed by Darla Powell Interiors or something. Do you think those are effective? I use yard signs uh, on all my jobs and I get calls on most of them. Okay, so let, let's get into the digital side of it. What is your primary channel for digital marketing your home business? It's mostly organic SEO. I mean, that we spend um, a, a lot of you know, I write, we do, we do blogs. So we're posting blog posts every week, um, all the different channels. We're doing like these podcasts and then get, you know, backlinks and things like that. And so we are just really focused on the organic SEO, but we also do AdWords and we also do the, uh, like I said, the Facebook. Do you do Instagram at all or? No, we don't. Why? Well, I don't know. I haven't figured out how to make that work, <laughs> I guess. I know who you can go to to help you make that work. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a marketing agency. Maybe you heard of them called Wingnut Social. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I understand. I totally get it for certain things. I didn't know, you know, exterior siding and roofing and stuff like that. Maybe, it, maybe it's it. Yeah. There, there's a way. Trust me. Trust me when I tell you. Okay. So for the digital marketing, when you're talking about organic SEO, I'm really surprised. I'll have clients that have come to me, designers or, or luxury brands and say, I want to work on the SEO on my website. So like, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Client, let me go and let me check out your website. Let me see what I can see overall. And there's no blog. There's nothing in existence that has anything to do with a blog. And I don't think people realize how important the blog is for organic SEO. And you can't just go and write it and put it up. You have to write it strategically with keywords and everything. Are you, are you writing your own blog or who's doing that for you? Occasionally, but most of the time I'm having somebody write it for me. And then I send it to the marketing company that I use, KC Website and Design. And they do their magic and, and post it for me. But yeah, they, they've definitely stressed the value of that and the importance of it. You know, I, I started off doing mostly the, the Google AdWords where I'm paying pay, pay, pay-per-click. And I thought that's where most of my business was coming from because I was spending so much money on it. And then I started getting call tracking and started tracking everything. And I realized that 
you know, really it was about 50, 50 between the just organic and that. And we had plenty of leads. I thought, you know, I'm gonna start playing the long game. And I, so I slowly started backing off what I was spending on the AdWords and putting it into the SEO and more, more organic. And I, I just feel like that's a better investment because, you know, I'm still getting a lot of a great return on it, but it's always going to be there, you know, and it just, you're building this foundation. And whereas the AdWords, you know, you, you put it up there and you spend the money and next month you do it all over again. Yeah, it's a little, it's more ephemeral. I have blogs that I did two, three, four years ago that are still getting me clients. Today, if you if you put it in there and couch it in such a way that it's searchable, and Google on there, you know, in my area for clients, they're still, I think the, the blogs are, you, you're right by saying it's the long game. You want to mm-hmm. you wanna have that long game and make sure that you're beefing up your SEO. Another SEO tip for your website that is just to make sure that you have at least 200 words of copy on each of your pages, because Google's not going to crawl your images, not for for SEO purposes. So for the pandemic that we're all going through right now, um, how has that affected your business and your marketing budget? When it first happened, we got the, I think it was, I don't know, March when they said that we were going to lock down for two weeks to flatten the curve and, and then uh, everything would be okay. But so we were a little nervous because we already started a large project and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do that or not. And then it turns out that construction services was essential. So we were able to keep working. And then what happened was really surprising. Our phone started ringing off the hook and we had the busiest spring and summer we've probably ever had. And I think it was because people were home and they you know, really needed to, to make some changes. And so they had time to deal with it too. And it's not just our industry. I mean, there's people, you know, the interior side, you know, everybody's doing, Hey, I need a home office. Hey, I want to start working out from home. Hey, we're going to start entertaining here at the house more and, and all of these things and started making changes. And so it's been really good. It's the damnedest thing because when the pandemic hit, we were like, Oh, great. Yeah. Here we go. It's going to be a long summer of no pipeline. And I, we've had our busiest year yeah, same. so far. And I think it is because people not spending their travel budget or staying at home and just it's the four walls are driving them up the wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so your marketing budget has stayed the same or have you changed anything? We, we just kept doing what we're doing. We just stuck with, I think it also helped us too because all the home shows and all of these. Things were, were not there. And so people had to go online and that's where I've already, you know, kind of built my foundation. That's where we are. And so we don't do a lot of the home shows and things as much. And so that I think benefited us as well. And now I think a lot of companies are like, oh crap, how do I boost my online presence? Because, you know, maybe they relied heavily on, you know, some of those things. Yeah, Wingnut's picked up too. For as a marketing agency with people working on their positioning mm-hmm. and rebranding and, and getting that in place for 2021 or because everybody is searching digitally and so they're like, oh crap, I really need a digital presence. Designers or businesses or influencers who are always working off of referrals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are, have just realized how important the digital <laughs> fear is. So if we're sharing, we had a, a guest on Quite a, a while ago, Kate O'Hara of Martha O'Hara Interiors, and she was her topic was discussing what percentage of your overall gross should you spend on your marketing budget? Do you guys have that set aside? Can you share with us like what percentage of your business you put on, let's say, digital? Well, so we do overall on marketing, we try to stay at least 10%. We're going to increase that, but right now we're working on internally like processes and making sure that we can grow and still maintain the same quality and do a great job. But we maintain it at 10%, 10%. And then I would say of that 90% of it's online. I mean, we only do the, the only thing we do outside of that, like I said, is the direct mail. These little things that we do three or four times a year with the subdivisions are not real expensive. I mean, it, the money is actually spent, you know, online, digital. 
How much is a bounce house? I don't even know. Uh, it's a couple hundred bucks for the for the Saturday. You know, you can have it for four hours for a couple hundred bucks. Oh, that's nothing. I could have a bounce house at my house. That would be worth it. <laughs> but I'd put it by the pool and jump off the bounce house into the pool. There you go. That can't be dangerous, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I already have so many thoughts. Okay, so 10%, that's a little bit on the low end, but you're restructuring some other uh, other places there. So what would you say to the entrepreneurs listening or that don't have that gross overall income to take 10% for marketing? What what would your advice be for them to get started? What's more important to you right now? You got to start somewhere. And so when I started, I don't know if this, if the, you tell me if this is something that you can do, I, I assume it is. But when I first started the business, you know, the first thing I do is have a lead and you don't have time to invest in, you know, like a lot of, I didn't feel like SEO was not because it was like, I mean, it may be 12 months before I get a good return on that, you know? And so I need leads today so I could go make money. And so I purchased leads from like home advisor and thumbtack and some of these online places that you could just buy a, buy a lead. And, um, I, I started there, but you have to make sure that you charge enough that you can have money to reinvest back into the business. And that has to go, uh, you know, marketing has to be at the top of the list. I tried that when I started out with the, the design firm, and I did get some leads from Home Advisor, Angie's List, even some on House. Mm-hmm. But I found that the as we got going and we aspired to uh, a more what am I saying more uh, affluent? Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a menopause right. moment. Client uh, that those weren't really fitting the bill, so we don't do those anymore. But right. you're right; if you're just starting out, that might be a, a good way to look at it. I know that a lot of people in the industry have. Um, misgivings about Howl's, but we still, we just signed a really good client from Howl's. So that could be something. And it's not really buying leads, but it kind of is with Howl's in a way. We found the same thing. I mean, we don't use those services anymore, but when you're first getting started, I mean, it's either go knock doors or buy a lead or you got to do something to get in front of somebody. The biggest thing we found with those services is that the margins we were able to get were much lower because you're, you're competing with guys like yourself that are just starting out. And don't have any overhead and they're not always pricing it like a business person should. And so, um, you know, you, you don't get the margin. Whereas if you start to develop an online reputation and that's why reviews that we haven't talked about that yet are just the most important thing you can do. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into reviews. Let's talk about that. I know a lot of designers do not actively ask their clients for reviews. And if you ha- if you're on Google My Business and you have those reviews there, they're incredibly helpful. If you have someone that's saying, oh, I'm not so sure, you know, do you have any references? Yeah, here's my 20 Google reviews, five-star Google reviews. Go <laughs> check that out. <laughs> we didn't used to do the review thing either. I mean, we had a couple like on HomeAdvisor and things like this, but we never asked anybody for a review. They just did, you know. And as I started, I talked to a guy, We I go to a contractor summit every year with James Hardy and, and we were, we talk about different business things and growing your business. And this guy from the large company and back on the West Coast, he, he told me that, uh, he said, get Google reviews. He said, I don't care what they cost, what you have to do to get them. And at all costs, get reviews. And so I took that to heart and I did. So like, I think the first year was like, you know, 20 and then we got 20 more. Now we're up to close to 50 or so. I was just over the last two years, basically. And it's changed everything. I mean, the margins, the closing percentages, it's, it is absolutely worth whatever you got to do to get them. People will say, what do I, if I ask a client for a review, should I be on Howl? Should it be on Facebook? Should it be here? No, no. 
if you have, because clients are lazy, it's mm-hmm. hard. It almost is like pulling teeth, even if they're super happy to get them to write a review. Mm-hmm. If you have that client and they don't want to leave copy and paste and leave reviews everywhere, Google. Yes. Google's always your first choice for them to leave a review. And you have to have Google My Business in order to do that. So you set up your Google My Business and then it's still a little bit difficult for customers to find it. So you have to send them a link to where they just click on it and, and it pops up and th- they can fill it out. Because to find your Google My Business page and to go leave a review for a lot of clients is just a little bit difficult. So we use grade.us and it's a service that they have a, a platform set up to where I type in their this customer's name or email name and email they send them one email right away asking for a review and it'll have like four different you'll have your primary like Google and then it'll have like four different other options because if they don't have a Gmail account sometimes people don't want to go make create a Gmail account so then it gives them the Facebook would be my number two you know then like the Better Business Bureau or House or something like that <laughs> okay okay so that's Grade.com. I'm on it. Yeah. And so what it does, though, it's an automated thing. I just enter their stuff once and then they automatically, the process is they send it to them once. And then three days later, they send them another email asking for a review with the links and make it real easy for them. And then I think two weeks later, they get a third final, hey, please give me a review. I follow that up a step further. At the end of the year, right about between Thanksgiving and Christmas, if there's anybody that we've done, I know we've done really good work for, and they just didn't leave me a review, we will call them up and say, hey, listen, say, I know we asked you for a review when we did the project, but I know you know how time consuming it is and, and everything. And so if you would take the time to fill out a review and leave that for us, um, we'd send you a $25 gift card you can use for Christmas shopping or whatever. I've seen that. I've actually gotten those from people. Hey, would you leave us a review? Here's a $25 Amazon gift card. I like that idea. And it's, and it's worth the investment, I think. When we finish the job, when we go, we get done with the job and we go to drop off the final invoice. I, I usually take either like, um, we have a called nothing bunt cakes. And so it's like a bunt cake tower that I take, or we should mail brownies or cookies or, so we try to do the absolute best job we can. We give them that. Then we ask for the review and, and usually we get it there, but sometimes we don't. We still ask again at the end of the year. Sometimes I'll tell them that, because um, it's, it's true, that our, so the guys that work on their, the crews that work on their home, they get bonuses based on the reviews as well. And so a lot of times, you know, they may not want to, you know, feel compelled to leave me a review, but they sure like Caesar who, you know, they got to know while he was at their house for a week and they, they'll help him out. And so they'll send him, they'll, they'll write the review. But we put everything into that because it, the return on that investment is huge. I love that because I have designers working for me that maybe I'm not hands-on with the project. I, I like that. That's a, that's a nice nice little spin on that. I like that a lot. I'm going to check out. I'm on grade.com right now. I'm taking a look at it. And I'll tell you what, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to go totally check that out. How much is that a month? Do you know? I pay them uh, the, for the year and I think it's $1,000 a year. Woo! Okay. It's an investment for sure. Do they do the thing where it's like reputation manager where if someone says, oh, it's a one-star review, it doesn't go to Google? It goes to you, right? Yeah. So that what they do is they, which is kind of good and bad because when they click on the link, the first thing pops up is give us a one to five review, right? One to five right. star. So if they click five star, they a lot of times, and they click submit, a lot of times my customers think that they're done. And then they don't realize it. Then it sends them to Google and now you got to like do it again. And so- yeah, it weeds people out, but that's not, that's just hasn't been an issue for us. So we don't have anybody that wants to leave a one star review, uh, at least, at least not yet. So I'd almost wish they didn't have that. But uh, yes, that it does do that. So if you get anything, you said it, 
you know, I think I have, we have our set at anything less than a four. So if they send a one through three, then it comes to me and they think that they're, they're done. Then you can mitigate it. Yeah. Figure out what, what, what the hell that's all about. Right. Yeah. So that is a good thing, I guess for us. I, I, well, I just feel I've had to have to go back to some people and they say they left a review because it'll send you an email that they opened your, that they opened the email, they clicked it, they clicked on Google or whatever, but then you see that nothing ever posts. And I got to go back to them and say, Hey, listen, I know you tried to leave a review, but it didn't actually leave it. Can I walk you through that process? Oh, that's a pain. So it just kind of, it's, you know, give and take. And I don't know if that's an option to remove that part or not. I should ask them because I mean, for somebody who's maybe gets a lot of reviews and, and, you know, the the more you get, the more opportunity there is to, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy to have that issue. But for us, you know, I'd I'd soon remove that issue, but there's that. And there's also other companies that that do that as well. Yeah, but some of them are more expensive though. There's other companies that charge that. Well, there's another company that will actually call and like get the reviews from them and post them on their own site. But I'd rather them go to Google. Yeah, Google, 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 Google. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Okay. Well, Steve, is there anything that I've forgotten to ask you today that you think is important to share with the uh, audience listening for their marketing before we get into the What Up Wingnut round? No, I think I think we've covered it. I think that, that just about covers it. Um, I mean, the only other thing that I've done is I did, and I would recommend this, is I did write a book um, and have it published on Amazon. Um, I did a couple of things. One, it you know creates a uh, sense of you know, you're the expert because you've written the book on, on siding um, is what I did. And then also, you know, if you get it posted on Amazon, you can have a link back to your website. And that uh, is always a good thing. That's something that's in the works for me. Next, we had Luann Nigera, uh, who's the host of a well-designed business podcast. And she was telling the audience all about how writing a book helps increase your rank in the industry as a, an expert, as a recognized expert. And she's gotten so many speaking gigs. And it's just, it, I love that. And of course, could tell the audience what the name of your book is so they can go check it so out. So it's the um, Kansas City's Buyer's Guide to Home to Citing Your Home. And uh, they can get a free copy on my website. Just go to Smart EX xtpros.com and uh, download it for free. All right. Awesome. All right. Now I have to ask you, Steve, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? I think so. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be in one? I would be a palm tree so that I could uh, always be somewhere sunny and maybe close to a beach. Very nice. I have in my yard, no joke, 190 plus palm trees. We counted them one day. <laughs> What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Hashtag YOLO. You only live once. If you could have only one superpower, what would it be and why? I think it would be to the ability to teleport. Ah, I love it. I could just instantly be somewhere. That would be nice. Between that one and invisibility, I think. If you could have both, you could teleport into a bank invisibly. Wow, you could teleport <laughs> to a lot of places invisibly. That could be fun. <laughs> yeah, it could be real fun. <laughs> Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you, either personally or professionally. I would say uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. That was a good one. Good one. Good one. I love that book. I have that in my Audible queue too. So Steve, please tell the wingnuts. I mean, you already told them where to find you on your website. Where can they find you on your your social? Oh, and we have to get you hooked up with Instagram. We'll talk after the show. <laughs> so uh, LinkedIn at Stephen Glaze, um, Twitter at Stephen Glaze, and then just online on my website, smartextpros.com. All right. You guys go follow them. Go pick up the book. And Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You've been an amazing guest. Have a great week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So Stephen Glaze just gave me a couple of light bulbs. First of all, the bounce house. (laughs) 
That is like winning. Who doesn't want to jump in a bounce house with community? That is such a great idea. If you have a client that you're working, you're doing home improvement or you're doing interior design or to set that up in the neighborhood, you can find out who's on the Facebook groups and, and put something together like that. He said at the end there, the bounce house is on like 200, 300 bucks. Come on now. That's a no-brainer. Do like a little meet and greet with the neighborhood and put your little yard sign in front of your house. Even if you're just, no one shows up, you get the bounce house. <laughs> and I'm glad that he mentioned the blogging for SEO because organic traffic for SEO, I mean, you can spruce up your website. You can write the exact copy. You can put in your H1, your H2, your H3 headers, and you can make it really SEO proof. But if you're not blogging, it's you're not going to be optimized for SEO. And there's a certain way to do that, to write the blog, to where it's not just a whole string of Here's some keywords, and here is my blog interior design, blah, blah, blah. Because you want to make it readable for the person that's coming to your website to read the blog, but you also want to make it searchable by Google. So you can rank number one for Interior Design Miami, and it's both an art and a science to do that. And that's something that we do here at Wingnut Social. If you guys need help with your blogging, we can certainly do that for you, and we optimize it for SEO. We just don't turn out uh, a cute little piece for people to read. We want to make your website searchable in an organic way. And the direct mail thing, I have seen that. There's a um, designer that I talk to on Instagram a lot who's over in Naples, and he just recently did a, a marketing campaign doing some of the mail, the mailing list, like Stephen was talking about. And he said it was actually really impactful. So while digital marketing, of course, I own a social media marketing firm is going to be my number one thing. And how I started my business with Darla Palantir's was just really inundating the social media because at the time it was free for me, right, to get the word out that here's what I'm doing, here's what my projects are for you who are limited on a budget and doing it yourself. That would be my number one recommendation. Try the thumbtacks, try the Yelps. If you're just starting out and you're not really looking for that luxury high-end dollar client in the very beginning, that could be a way to go. I do know some designers who have great success with Yelp. I know some designers have great success with Thumbtack. Starting out, it might be worth just taking a look at. Right now, where we are at Darla Powell Interiors here, we do still have Howls. And I'll tell you why we still have Howls. A lot of people ask me that. I'm like, Darla, how can you have Howls? How do you get good leads from I never get anything good from there. Well, we just did get a couple of clients this year that more than paid for my marketing for the whole year. Not just on Howls, but in general. So what Howls does, and you can go back into our archives for episode 37 with Alex Berman. And even if you kind of hate house or it's really good for SEO is if you search interior designers Miami, you'll see on the top results of the Google search list, you might have thumbtack, you might have, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But you'll see house and it'll say top interior designers in Miami. So you go in there and if you're part of that whole house thing and if you're paying to play there, you'll see you yourself, your firm listed as one of the top interior designers in Miami. So you do get some bang for your buck there. Maybe they aren't necessarily reaching out to you through Howls, but you're still getting brand awareness and they're still going to your website. So we've still found it valuable for that. And you remember Stephen said, even in the pandemic, he's spending as much as 10% of his overall gross on marketing while he sets some aside to do some positioning and make sure his systems and processes are in place for when he does raise that. He can handle the influx of clientele that he's going to get. And you'll remember Kate O'Hara's episode, she was saying anywhere from 15 to 20% of your overall gross on marketing is very reasonable. And as a newer designer, when you're starting out, you want to actually even up that, which seems counterintuitive, but you have to get your brand out there. You have to have reach and awareness because you're just starting out. It's 
definitely something to consider, especially for 2021, as we round out the show of a year, 2020, <laughs> for 2021 to set aside. Look at your what your overall gross is, look what your ROI is going to be, what's your end game going to be, and set aside that 10% at the minimum. And uh Get your marketing game on point. I tell you, it's made all the difference for me and my interior design business, for sure. Without digital marketing, I would be nowhere. All right. So hopefully this episode helped expand your awareness a little bit and give you some insight to try some marketing ideas that maybe you hadn't otherwise thought of. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell you're listening to this podcast on. Follow us on social at Wingnut Social on every channel that God has made. (laughs) in social media. And if you need help with your social media marketing, shoot us an email to info at wingnutsocial.com. We would be happy to help you out. And that's it. Until next week. See ya. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 1-877-WINGNUT to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened. Okay. <coughs> Menopause is terrible. Good boy, Mango.